doors are a place of transition. Um, a hospital can be a joyful place, but it can also be a very sad place. That same door can open up uh, for someone who is coming to give birth to a brand new baby or to someone who is in need of life-saving medical attention that may not make it. So the idea of a door just really struck me. And I thought about Jesus' words in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, and I'll read that at the end of the message today, but I'll give you a little insight. He actually says, he is standing at the door and knocking, and he wants all to open to him. And he says, and if you open the door for me, I will come in, I will live with you, I will eat with you, I'll fellowship with you. And the idea there is that God needs your permission to come into your door. So there are thousands of doors that you've probably gone through in your life. Some lead to great joy and some to great pain. But today I want to give you four reasons why I believe God stepped through the doorway of heaven into the earth for you and for me. The title of the message today is Why He Came. Colossians chapter 1 tells us something interesting, and that's really the focus of our message today. It may be a little unconventional to not preach from the Gospels on Christmas Sunday, but I feel like this message is powerful and will hold its own weight. Go to Colossians chapter 1 verse 12, and we begin to read there through verse 14. It says, as Paul is writing to the church there, he says he's giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So first, the reason that he came is he came through that doorway of heaven to qualify you. He came in order to qualify you. How many of you have ever applied for a loan? Raise your hand, okay? Grown-ups in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You apply for a home loan, for a car loan, for a student loan, whatever it is, and you have to meet certain qualifications. You can't receive the money unless you've met the qualification. You don't get the benefit unless you do that. So young people, listen to me, especially those in teenage and college age life. Maybe the rest of us need to hear this too. Pay your bills on time, have stable employment, and have a consistent income, and you will be qualified for the loan. That's the, that's the secret, okay? Minimal debt and pay your bills on time. It's a wonderful thing. For those who've gotten a loan that you've understood those words, you're qualified. You now qualify for this mortgage or for this loan. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior and commit to follow him, the Bible tells us that God qualified you. I've heard it said before that God does not call the qualified, and I thank God it's true, but he qualifies the called. He, qual he gives you what you need after he tells you what he wants you to do. So when Jesus comes into our life and we commit our lives to him, he approves us and he says, she's mine or he's mine. They are now qualified. Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five says this. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, 
He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So you've been qualified even though you don't deserve to be qualified. It's because of his great grace and because of his amazing love. I saw something interesting uh, recently and it had to do with the Passover. And this is a little unrelated to a Christmas message, but it talks about qualifying you. Think about the children of Israel when they were in Egypt Jesus was not taking roll call for every single person's name or God wasn't taking roll call inside that house. He was looking that they had been qualified with the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Now he qualifies you. That's why God sent Jesus to this earth. He passed through the doorway of heaven in order to qualify you. The second thing is he entered the doorway of this world in order to claim you. He has claimed you as his own. Colossians chapter 1 says that you've been named as an heir. Verse 12 says that you've been qualified to share the inheritance of the kingdom of God. So he has claimed you. I want you to imagine going through your mail. What's in your mail? A bunch of junk, a bunch of bills, okay? But imagine if you will, you opened up a letter one day as you're going through the mail and it was from an attorney's office to ask you to come for a reading of a will for a distant relative that passed. How many of you would make sure you showed up, (laughs) right? You would definitely make sure. But what ends up happening is prior to their death, they designated you as an heir. I want you to think about that in terms of Jesus' purpose here on the earth. That is exactly what he's done. See, the gift of an inheritance is not because of what you've done, but it's because of the generosity of the person who possesses those things. So if we have inherited something, it's not because we've done anything to inherit it except for believe on him and give him access to our heart and to our lives. So he came to claim each and every one of us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. It says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the Bible says, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So this is another reason that Jesus entered the doorway of earth so that he could claim you and make you an heir to his kingdom. This is awesome news. The third reason is that I believe he came to the earth is to rescue you. Some people don't believe they need rescue. In fact, it's offensive. If I'm an able-bodied, fully breathing, normal acting, regular human, it's offensive to me that you would say that I need rescue. I don't think I need rescue unless you convince me that I need rescue. The goal that Jesus came to this earth for is to help us realize that no matter how good we are, no matter how able-bodied we think we are, no matter how spiritually sound we think we are, we are in need of his rescue. Colossians chapter one, verse 13, it says, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So he entered the doorway of the world to rescue you. What did he rescue you from? 
During this Christmas season, I think it's important for you to think about the things that he's rescued you from. And if you say, Pastor, I don't really have any of those things, then it's time that you commit your life to Christ and allow him to rescue you. As the old song says, we've been brought out of darkness and into his glorious light. And every single human needs rescue. Every single one of us needs salvation and rescue. The fourth thing is this, and the final is this. He entered the doorway of this world in order to redeem you. In this short passage from Colossians that we've read, there's some powerful um, points to consider. The fact is he came to redeem you. Paul pointed out that Jesus came so that you could be redeemed through the blood of the lamb through Jesus Christ and be forgiven. And that's available to each and every one of us. When someone is redeemed, I want you to listen to me. Think about redeeming a coupon at a store. We don't talk about redemption very often, but the idea is that this person who's been redeemed has been given worth or value. So he came to redeem you. The book of Hebrews reminds us that without the shedding of blood, that there can be no forgiveness of sins. In our minds, I want you to think about this for just a moment. In our minds, if someone is guilty of something, then we believe they are guilty of the punishment. Like the punishment should fit the crime. We would never have thought in all your wisdom, in all of your education, in all of the things you've ever read or heard, you would never assume that an innocent man coming from another realm, from the spiritual realm, from heaven, down to this earth, who lived a sinless life and did nothing to deserve it, would be the answer or the antidote that God would send in order to take away your sin and your guilt. The truth of the matter is, is we would say, let the guilty die, but you have a problem. You really do. When you look at the news and you hear about someone who is innocent, who has died, it angers the human heart to know they didn't deserve this. They shouldn't have gotten this treatment. They, something rises up within you in the moral compass of your heart because you recognize the guilty deserve it, but the innocent don't. Yet God sent an innocent one to take the place of all of us who are guilty. God's forgiveness came through the shedding of Jesus' blood on our behalf. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Anybody ever told you they'd take a bullet for you? Don't believe them unless there's a loaded gun. I'm just kidding. Okay, but seriously, think about it like this. It says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even die. Verse eight, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he's redeemed us and given us a fresh start. The blood of his son covers all of my guilt and my shame and my sin. And this is the difference that Christ makes. So when he passed through the doorway of heaven, divinity took on the form of humanity for a time. He left behind all the glory of heaven in order to give his life just for you. An alternate title to my message was going to be just for you. I really believe the truth 
of this, that if you were the only human living on the earth, God would have done it just for you. In fact, it's so awesome that he did it and did it for all, the Bible says. John chapter 1 tells us the word became flesh and has come to dwell among us. Why would, why would he do that? He did that in order to qualify you, to claim you, to rescue you, and to redeem you. That's why he came. To prove beyond any shadow of a doubt his love for you and for me and for every person on the earth. I heard a story recently and it moved me and I want to share it with you today. It's about a husband and wife who had gone through some really rocky times. The young wife finally became so disillusioned with the stress of marriage and with the young family and kids, the responsibility of motherhood. She just had to get away. She had to take some time and get away. One morning, the husband woke up to a note that she left and she said, it basically, it said that she was gone and will not be returning. So he agonized about her leaving and about her going. He started taking on all the responsibility, but he knew that she needed a little bit of space. So he didn't try to follow her, but he did call. He called that night, called her phone. Then he called every day and he reached out to her. He told her a similar statement every single time he would get her on the phone. We love you. We miss you. I need you. And she stayed away. He couldn't find her. She wasn't in town. In fact, as Christmas approached, the father became a little bit more intentional. So he hired a private investigator to go help him find out where this woman was. She was found hundreds of miles from their home, staying in a cheap motel, just all by herself, just away from all of the things that were weighing her down. And several days before Christmas, as she sat in her motel room, all of a sudden, a noise broke the silence, and she heard a knock at the door. She went, and she looked through the peephole of the door, and she saw her husband standing on the other side. She unlocked the chain quickly, opened the door, and she fell into his arms. Cautiously, she started to talk and tell him what was going through her mind, but her heart was skipping beats. She was so glad that he was back and that he had come to find her. He said to her, why didn't you come home? He, he kept asking her this. I begged you to come back dozens of times. Why didn't you come home? And she said these words, you told me you loved me. You told me you needed me, but those were just words until you came for me. That's the miracle of Christmas. That God doesn't just say he loves us, but that he sent God in flesh appearing to live here on this earth to be the remedy that we need because he wanted to pursue us and to find us. He wants to be in a relationship with you. So I think about this and about this story that the God of the universe would send his son to leave heaven and come to earth. And the only reason that someone would go that distance is because of authentic love and because they want a relationship. If that father had gotten upset and mad and said, you know what? I'm cutting ties. It's been weeks. She's not coming back. I'm moving on with my life. Then there would have been no depth of that relationship, but to know that he went pursuing her to find her and God sent his only begotten son to us to pursue us. I want you to look at me and listen for just a moment, just a moment more.
God sent his son to pursue you. And this Christmas, you have an opportunity to accept that love, to open up your life and commit your heart to him. So if you haven't done that, today is a perfect day to do that, to start out 2020, a brand new year with an amazing outlook because you've got God with you, walking beside you and living inside of you. So my question to you today as the worship team comes to join me for the close of the service is have you opened the door of your heart to him? We live in the Bible Belt in the South and when you pick up your Wendy's order, they say, God bless you, here's your change. And in the midst of all of that, we may deceive ourselves to believe that we're all headed in the same direction to the same destination. But the Bible is very clear that God would not have gone this distance had there not been a need for it. And there is a need for it. He wants his, his love is motivating him, has motivated him to call us away from the path that leads to destruction, the Bible says. So if you're here today as we go into this last part of the service and the worship team sings one song and we close in prayer, I want to encourage you to make that choice today. It's simple. There aren't magic words that go into it. It's just the status of your heart saying, God, I'm broken and I need you. I confess that I believe in you, that you are the son of God, came to the earth for me and I accept your love and I commit my life to you. It's that simple. At the start, it's that simple. But your life needs to follow him. You need to build your life upon him. The clarion call that Jesus gives in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. The thought that I had outside of if we've opened the door to him, if you've never done that, today's your day. But the second category of people who are here today, you say, Pastor, I'm a believer. I've enjoyed the message today, but what do I need to do? I would ask you to think about if there is a door that remains in your heart shut to some room in your heart if there's an area of your life as a believer that you've kept him out of because you might be ashamed or because you're not certain he can really truly help or you're too, you're too anchored to those problems or those things that you don't want to let it all go. But today you have the opportunity as a believer to make room in your heart for him to clear off the cobwebs and let every door be flung open and say, God, this place, this area of my finances, my relationship, my job, whatever it is that you feel that you've locked him out of, give him access to it today. Make a fresh commitment today that 2020 is going to be a year where you serve God, where you follow him and where you allow him to have full access to your life. Would you stand with me? I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you, but I want you to close your eyes for just this moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I haven't fully opened up my heart to him. I've never prayed a prayer. I've never really accepted him into my life, but I would like to do that today. Would you just slip up your hand right now, wherever you are? If that's you, 
anyone here. You shouldn't be embarrassed about that. We're thankful. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice at one person coming to him. If you're a believer here today and you say, Pastor, I'm willing to admit with my eyes closed, I'm going to put my hand up. There's an area of my heart, my life that I've kept locked away from him. And today I'm committing to give him full access to it. Would you just slip up your hand right now, wherever you are, say, I'm going to give him full access to every room of my heart. Lord, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the gift of your son who came to earth to live, to die, to resurrect for each one of us here today. Father, I do pray that those who are stirred in their heart would commit their lives to you today. And those believers who are here today who say there's an area that I need to give. God, I pray that you would help us to fully give access to you. Lord, there's no better time than the present in the Christmas season to do this.